For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I bring you some good news in this latest readout video from our Wednesday wake-up email newsletter. Namely that, in a rare example of common sense busting through on climate, Stuart Kirk, who's head of responsible investing at HSBC Asset Management, gave a public talk, quote, why investors need not worry about climate risk, end quote, to a Financial Times Moral Money Conference. He pulled no punches. And neither did the cowardly bigwigs upstairs at HSBC, who first approved his talk, then suspended him for it. But I don't think they're going to succeed in throwing him under the electric-powered bus. Because this is not the only example of a willingness to challenge taboos. In fact, the UK government broadcaster, the BBC, admitted a few weeks earlier that their climate editor was a wacky zealot who makes things up. It really seems that the taboos are crumbling. In fact, as Kirk put it at one point, a previous speaker at the same conference had said, quote, we are not going to survive. And indeed, no one ran from the room. In fact, most of you barely looked up from your mobile phones, end quote. Why? Because they all know the hype is rubbish. We encourage you to watch Kirk's talk because there's so much great stuff in it. And not because he disagrees with climate science, at least not yet, or not openly. But clearly what happened in that talk was that his private frustration with nonsensical exaggeration had boiled over. And the audience didn't boo, they didn't throw things, they didn't walk out, even when he showed a chart that matched media articles using the phrase climate catastrophe against the MSCI World Index, which involves over 1,500 companies worldwide. And then he said, quote, the more we're doomed, the higher prices go. How is that possible, end quote? As he then pointed out, either the risk from climate change is actually trivial, or else it's already been discounted in the price of shares, and can't have been that big, or, quote, the Mark Carneys of this world have to convince us all, including me, that every single one of us on climate risk is wrong. Every one of us, end quote. So, over to you, Mr. Professional Alarmist. Actually, the big risk here is policy. The rise of conventional energy prices to unaffordable levels being a rare example of politicians actually achieving what they intended. As a Toronto Sun editorial put it, quote, reducing fossil fuel energy consumption by making it increasingly unaffordable for Canadians lies at the foundation of the Trudeau government's carbon pricing policies. This is exactly how it was always supposed to work, albeit not this quickly and dramatically, end quote. But don't think it means that governments have their act together mentally or practically. As Mining Weekly commented, quote, record oil exports test Trudeau's climate change ambitions, end quote. And the climate alarmist mainstream newspaper, but I repeat myself, the Globe and Mail, recently noted editorially that, quote, exports of all goods in March reached a new monthly record of $63.6 billion, Statistics Canada reported. The surge is powered by oil. Energy now accounts for more than a quarter of Canada's exports, a level lasted in 2014 when crude prices were also on a tear, end quote. So, if everyone else is meant to use Canadian oil, why aren't we? How confused are the people in charge? Very. As Blacklock's reporter revealed, the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board says it is determined to slow the pace of global warming, but did not explain its multi-million dollar investment in an Indonesian coal mine, end quote. Now, the Globe editorial tried to square the circle, saying, quote, If and when the rest of the world starts aggressively pursuing policies to lower demand for oil, then prices for and production of Canadian oil will inevitably fall. Until then, Canada should have no qualms about allowing our industry to prosper and grow, with one major condition, that it heavily curtail its own emissions, end quote. How? 
You can get sugar-free soda, but you can't get carbon-free oil. And these considerations are nothing to sneeze at. Nor is a Guardian piece telling us, quote, the latest research suggests that the climate crisis is going to make the hay fever season a whole lot longer and more intense, with up to three times as much pollen wafting around by the end of the century, end quote. And it turns out that it's the fault of all those wretched trees that we thought were so beautiful and would save us from climate breakdown. You just can't win with these people. I mean, you really can't. It's also from the Department of No Fun Guardian branch, quote, fun in the sun photos are a dangerous distraction from the reality of climate breakdown, end quote. See, apparently they make it seem as though people like warm weather, the fools. So the Guardian runs a piece by Professor Saffron O'Neill saying, don't show happy people at the beach. And it adds a photo of sunbathers in Margate, Kent. And while nothing says sunny getaway like the eastern part of England... 16 degrees Celsius at time of writing, uh, The Guardian helpfully tinted the picture alarmist red in pursuit of truthiness. Some news outlets are even linking monkeypox to climate change. And NBC asked, Where are the bodies buried? Climate change is showing us, end quote. So forget locusts and frogs, quote, The discoveries of two sets of human remains in Nevada's Lake Mead are just the latest instances of climate change's impact as the bodies were exposed amid low water levels, end quote. And the New Republic groans, quote, We need to talk about climate change and suicide. The data we have suggests a connection, and the problem may be growing, end quote. Yeah, like the media killing their own credibility with such absurd stories. And now, a word from our sponsor. And yes, it's still you. And we want to thank all the people who've responded to our appeals by making a one-time or monthly pledge. For the rest of you, I really want to emphasize, for us to produce the videos, for us to produce the newsletters, and keep injecting sanity into the climate debate, what we need is for one in six of our YouTube subscribers to click here and make a pledge of $2 a month, $3 a month, $5 a month. That's what it's going to take to sustain our efforts for as long as they're needed. So click here, cup of coffee a month, that'll keep us in business. And now, back to me. Now, speaking of people pushing back against the absurdity, Elon Musk just unloaded on ESG, or Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance. ESG, to put it bluntly, is a device for bullying companies into putting other people's money into left-wing causes, and Musk just called it a scam after Standard & Poor's Global ESG Index dropped his Tesla electrical vehicle giant from its list while still including ExxonMobil. And this prompted NBC to stammer, quote, Some climate advocates who see Musk as having made real gains in reducing the nation's dependency on fossil fuels wonder why Musk, of all the world's billionaires, has touched such a nerve on the left, end quote. Gee, that's a tough one. It must have something to do with reality. Especially since, again, it's not just him. BlackRock, the investment giant that Powerline called, quote, perhaps the number one force behind ESG, end quote, and also, quote, the world's largest asset manager with $10 trillion under management, end quote, just executed a sharp and suspiciously timed U-turn on the subject. As The Telegraph reported, quote, BlackRock has warned it will vote against most shareholder green activism this year for being too extreme. It comes as BlackRock said Russia's invasion of Ukraine has impacted the transition to net zero adding that short-term investment in traditional energy sources is now required to boost security, end quote. Gosh, you think? Well, if so, you aren't alone. 
As the Telegraph added, quote, Last week, Barclays also defied green activists with a pledge to invest in new oil and gas projects to help Europe wean itself off Russian fossil fuel, end quote. But why do we call BlackRock's U-turn suspiciously timed? Because, as the Telegraph then noted, quote, On Thursday, Vivek Ramaswamy, a U.S. health and technology entrepreneur, launched an anti-woke investment fund that will urge companies to focus on making money rather than championing political causes, end quote. And that Ramaswamy, quote, said the new venture, Strive Asset Management, has already received a host of job applications from employees at BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, what he dubbed an ideological cartel, end quote. Yep, seems like go woke, go broke applies in climate too. And by the way, Mr. Ramaswamy, you might want to telephone a man named Stuart Kirk. Now, while sanity threatens the worlds of business and academia, government remains insulated. Canada's former environment minister, Jonathan Wilkinson, now at Natural Resources, just admitted that their 2019 promise to plant 2 billion trees hasn't exactly worked out due to the onerous task of, quote, going out and finding excess trees, end quote, which we will comment on further as soon as someone explains what he thought he meant by excess trees or what the problem might be with finding them in heavily forested Canada. Now, as usual, politicians' difficulty in finding the trees for the forest doesn't dent their self-esteem. Quote, We've been very public that the numbers are going to ramp up over the next number of years. We are very comfortable that we're on track to get to 2 billion trees, end quote. And when he was asked by an opposition member of parliament, quote, what's taking so long? Why are you so bad at making plans and meeting the objectives of those plans that you announced to the Canadian public, end quote? Wilkinson snapped, quote, I've never understood why these kinds of discussions have to be so confrontational, end quote. Uh, maybe because you're smug, inept, and sanctimonious? You never know. But here's something we do know. It doesn't matter how cleverly alarmists explain why and how we're all doomed by relentless warming, if the planet is not warming relentlessly. Indeed, should it turn out that the late 20th century was the last part of the rebound from the Little Ice Age, driven partly by an unusually active sun, the scare will evaporate and we at CDN will have to find a new way to earn a living. Meanwhile, don't forget to send money. But the fact is that, as Fritz Fahrenholt just reminded us, there has been no warming in the last seven years, even as atmospheric CO2 continues to rise, and the warming trend over the last 20 years has been much weaker than in the previous 20. He asks, why hasn't this been reported? Why indeed? Or this. If you've seen our video, Big Trouble in the Tropical Troposphere, and if not, true fun awaits you, you'll know that ground zero for global warming isn't on the ground at all. It's about 15 kilometers above the equator in the troposphere over the tropics. That's where every climate model ever run says the warming from greenhouse gases should be strongest and fastest. But data from both satellites and weather balloons doesn't match what models predict. Including another database developed using an even larger library of weather balloon records that shows temperatures up there today are about where they were in the late 1980s. Oops. Also oops, like Stout Cortez and his men, we at CDN by the sea stare at the Pacific with eagle eyes, then look upon each other with a wild surmise that if the ocean at Talcahuano, Chile, starts dropping any faster, it may soon be gone altogether. According to the PSMSL data, the Pacific Ocean is dropping there by about 3.8 millimeters a year, almost as if the oceans didn't get the memo about what they're supposed to be doing. 
As usual in the newsletter, we also dip into the CO2Science.org archive, and Google the pronunciation of dengue fever, to tell you that a study on the way in which climate change might help spread the Aedes aegypti mosquitoes in cities, the mosquitoes that already pass dengue onto some 50 million people a year, and it looks for some reason at far north Queensland, Australia. Well, the reason is it looks at Cairns, which has about 150,000 people, but seems to be the dengue capital of Australia. And they find that actually it's far from clear that a warming planet would unleash this particular plague either. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and I'm Waking Up to Woke.